Hi, I'm Midjur from Ultravox, and you're listening to PF Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder, and we have a special edition of the tape recorder this week. Those of you listening last week know we were at Bunbury, so we're going to do a little Bunbury review here real quick, and then we're going to get to interviews with ex-ambassadors, Austin Plain, and Coleman Hell, and uh, Fangirl is joining me. Hey-o. Fangirl took pictures. Uh, we're going to have a review on the uh, Pop Culture Beast website, uh, hopefully this week or next, and um, so, do you still have your Bunbury pass on? Yeah. <laughs> a lot, want- okay, a lot of the people I know still have theirs on, and every time they see it, they're like, oh, is that VIP? And then I get to brag, like, no, it's a photo pass. Oh, and nice. I, get nice. To, I love attention. <laughs> so we didn't, uh, actually, we didn't hang out much together. We saw different parts of, uh, Yeah. so what did, uh, what did you think? Um, as far as I know, the general consensus was, like, the festival, eh, the acts, really freaking good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a really good lineup this year. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, they change it every year a little bit, and in fact, the people that started doing it are no longer the people that do it, an outfit called Promo West took it over a couple of years ago, and they've done some good things, and they've done some things that people are kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They have this new thing, before we go to the music, they have this new thing, and, and Fangirl says this is common at festivals now, I guess, yeah. where you load up your wristband with money, and then you just spend that, and that sounds convenient, except for the fact that it took me a half an hour to buy my wife a hamburger and a wine because I had to upload money from my phone. And they're like, oh, you won't be fumbling for your wallet. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it would have been way faster for me to hand the guy my credit card and swipe it than it would be to go through, try to type in on my phone all these numbers, wait 20 minutes for it to upload, then go to the thing, oh, it was a, it was a pain in the ass. And some people, well, some people liked it, though, so yeah. I think if they get the technology. There are benefits to it. I think if they get the technology sorted and tell people ahead of time because it wasn't really widely yeah, exactly. known until... But they did do it based off of complaints from last year. Last year oh. when I went on Friday, they ran out of water and the lines to get just to the water fountains were insane. It was seriously awful. Promo West had to come on TV and apologize oh my for gosh. how horrible last year was. I did not And so that. this did solve like okay. what I saw from last year, All right. but it did also just add new complications, kind of just one of those things. It did, yeah. It, it takes to work the bugs out. Uh the other thing I'm not sure I, I didn't really like or dislike, but there's there's fewer um, stages. Uh, yeah, lately. I thought that was really weird. There's only three. There used to be like six. Yeah. And then I think Promo West trimmed it down, and then they trimmed it down even further. Now there's only three. There's two, what I would call main stages, and then a side stage. Although a lot of cool acts are on that. Uh, what we call the river stage. It's uh, if you've ever been to Cincinnati, it's really weird. We have a park that's on the riverfront. There are these concrete steps that lead down to the actual river. That's the best stage. But it <laughs> makes so nice. it it comes into a U shape at one point, and you can put a stage there, and then the the steps function as seats, and so that's where we saw Coleman Hell and um, here, come here, the here come the mummies. Yeah, that was that was interesting. And uh, uh, who was the uh, the other kid we were supposed to interview but didn't? I can't remember. But a lot of good acts on that stage. I mean, a lot of good acts overall. It was no no duds certainly uh, among the uh, acts. Who was your favorite? Um. Okay. Honestly, it was probably Here Come the Mummies, who I barely yeah. got to see because I was freaking out trying to rush to see Florence and the Machine, who I assumed would be my favorite. Right. But after I saw Florence, I was like, oh my God, I could have stayed at Here Come the Mummies longer. <laughs> like, oh, that would have been yeah. so cool. Yeah. Those unfamiliar, they're a, uh, a funk act. They're from Nashville, and it is rumored that there are several member, Grammy-winning members of the group. There's like 40 of them, and they yeah. rotate in like five at a time. Yep. Yeah, and uh, the guy that uh, runs our T-shirt business, one of the co-owners, we were helping them out this uh, at Bunbury weekend too. Um, more on that a little bit later. Uh, but they, um, uh, he was not buying it. He said, "No way." <laughs> <laughs> I 
that's not true. So um, he was my. I would, Coleman Hell was really good. I liked him a lot, and and I liked him more even since he agreed to talk for the show. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Austin Plain was good. What do you think of the headline act? Um, I mean Florence was the best headliner for me, but I think that's just because I liked good. her the most before yeah, yeah. Bunbury. Yeah, sure. I don't know, and I got to see her actually in the crowd. I was kind of on the outskirts for Killer, so I didn't get the whole like show experience. I know that they yelled at the people in the front row and told them no pictures, no video, which is weird. Yeah, yeah, that's that was a big debate in the uh, media trailer when I was trying to interview ambassadors yeah. over some of the photographers saying that the Killers do not want anybody taking any pictures. I, I think Brandon Flowers' like brother-in-law or something is their official photographer. That, oh, that's, that's that's why. That's the word in the photo pit. That's funny. I don't know. That, I didn't hear that. That's that's just the the rumor I heard, which may or may not. Be, it's a Jimmy Pardo may say that may or may not be accurate. Yeah. And I think it's probably the latter. But um, yeah, I liked uh, I like Killers not quite as good as I did at Lollapalooza. Yeah. But still very good. Yeah. And um, and Marie Valeriano was still wrong, but Brandon Flowers was a fine front man. <laughs> Well, I don't get why people I can hate see, him so much. I can see. Well, he's not like he's not a Bono type front man, yeah. but that's that's the thing I think people don't don't like about it. But you know, I have no problem with Brandon Flowers. And let me see uh, who. Oh, uh, 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 Dead Mouse. People do not like Dead Mouse's foolishness after he took that helmet off, man. It, it takes, I know. Yeah, he takes that head off. <laughs> There's he, no point in it after that. You're just yeah, you're just hearing just, a DJ. <laughs> and again, yeah, it's in the the gal I was working the T-shirt booth with. Uh, she was like, and I don't, I don't get it. Does he do his own songs? Does he yeah, do I don't get people? it either. No one, and again, what's my rule on EDM? In four minute bursts, I <laughs> love it. Armin Van Buren, Avicii, give me four minute pop song, Getta. All the, I love all the Getta stuff. He brings a, brings in a singer. They do an actual song, four minutes. Thank you, good night. <laughs> I don't need to hear like the same shitty song for an hour and a half. My boyfriend made a really good joke because that was the night that Ice Cube was there. We walked from Ice Cube to Dead Mouse and he goes, well, the drug mm. users have switched from weed to LSD. Yeah, you, <laughs> that was very nice. funny. <laughs> Here's a funny thing. We were at the t-shirt booth and uh, I would said, well, we'll go over, you know, uh, I was going to go over and check out uh, Ice Cube. And I guess um, Big Boy was there too with his act, his band, his new band. They yeah. did they did uh, Miss Jackson, which I didn't think you were expecting. Yeah. So, uh. but what was really weird was... It, it, Coincidentally, I'm sure this was coincidence just because of the way they had to set up the stages and stuff like that, but it just seemed weird that Big Boy and uh, Ice Cube were on one side. Because there's two parks that this actually takes place in. They're divided by a, uh, an old railroad bridge, which is now a pedestrian bridge. So it's Sawyer Point and Yetman, Yetman's Cove. And uh, over on the Sawyer Point side was Ice Cube and Big Boy was before him. And then over on the uh, uh, Sawyer Point side was, uh, I forget who was on at that point, and that's when Coleman Hell, I think, played, and um, Of Monsters and Men, I think, was, or that was Sunday. Anyway, uh, the owner of our t-shirt company said, hmm, seems like it's Blackberry and Whiteberry. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but I think that's a coincidence. <laughs> and, uh, but no, good on uh, Bunbury, nice variety of uh, acts. Yeah, though. it was a good variety. Um, Ice Cube was really good. He was. He I was not expecting to get as into that as I did. Yeah, yeah, it was, he was got he got the crowd going. I think yeah. He, he uh, that was about as crowd as I saw Sawyer Point. Yeah, and maybe oh, El yeah. King. El King did a nice job of packing folks yeah. in. Yeah. Neighborhood was crazy. Oh, well, that's true. That was crazy. Packs. Well, you'll hear the neighborhood in their interview with Austin Plain. You can hear them in the background. Oh. The, the trailer is right behind the stage there. Yeah. Yeah. So let me see. Well, I guess that is it. Um. We're going to go on to the interviews now, then. Do you have any other thoughts on Bunbury? I don't think so. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, it was a lot of fun. I thought your uh, fangirls poorly this morning, so she got out of bed to do this. And... Yep. Okay, she's going to go back and rest. Today. All right, well, <laughs> so we're going to move on. You're going to hear interviews with ex-ambassadors, Austin Plain, and Coleman Hell in that order, and then we'll be back to do the song of the week, which is from our new friend, Coleman Hell. So uh, let's start off with our interview with ex-ambassadors.
to get this moving, so. Alright, yeah. so. Um, what? Best place for us to be at? Uh, anywhere's fine. Where you work, okay. Oh, okay. Anywhere's fine. I just set that there. And, uh, oops, I'm gonna tip over. Rami also won't like that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I didn't realize, I forgot this. You guys toured with Lights, who's a friend of my podcast. Oh, cool. oh yeah. That was our first tour we ever went on. Yeah. Yep. She was the first person to ever take us on tour. Cool. How did you get connected with her? We actually have the same booking agent as her. Oh, okay. And we were just submitting for tours. We were, we were in that early stage where okay. we just wanted to go on tour. And yeah. You know, she was the first person to, like, take us out, which is amazing. We toured with her twice, actually, and we've become good friends with her and her band and her managers, everyone. It's yeah. Like a family affair. Yeah. She's so nice. We interviewed her in Columbus uh, for oh, cool. the Fashion Meets Music Festival, and she remembered us. We've met her at her hotel, and she waves at us in the lobby, and like, oh, She's yeah. the sweetest. She awesome. is. I and love what her. a badass for being a touring mom, too. I know, That's right? Awesome. Yeah. She's and all around badass. Yeah, yeah. true. Uh, so you guys really came from the from the ground up, and you guys started. Um, I mean, what was, the, what was it like to get started? Were you out playing small gigs, and then just kind of snowballing from there right. tiny gigs like gigs for no one in the weirdest little bars like right next to our rehearsal space okay. and you know we uh, we originally didn't even have our own rehearsal space we would just you know rent by the hour go to Funkadelic Studios in Manhattan or something Yeah, and it, you know it was literally it was, you know everyone was still in college you know I had a, a full time job you know so it was it was really just the sort of thing where we you know, we would do it pretty much in the evenings or on weekends or, you know, whenever we would have time free. And, yeah, I don't know, very, you know, very humble beginnings. A lot of shows for, for just the other bands that were playing the show, you know. But, um, I don't know, it did slowly just sort of, you know, especially in New York, we slowly started to build a fan base. And, and then, uh, honestly, we really, I think we really sort of saw... You know, our, our careers sort of, if you want to call it that, take off when we started getting a little radio airplay in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. And that, honestly, that one little town propelled us, you know, pretty much at least started propelling us on it to where we are now. It's, it, was, it was a wild ride, man. Did you guys have a lot of original material going in, or did yeah. you kind of have covers? We never did covers. Yeah, oh, yeah. we do a do Purple like, Rain cover occasionally now, but oh, even yeah. as a yeah. band, we like as a new band, we probably rehearsed for a year or two just writing songs. Yeah, to have something to play live because we didn't want to go play covers. So, do you guys play a lot of festivals? This is yeah. okay. Uh, do you like festivals? As yeah, doing your own shows with a couple other bands, or is it totally? Is it just, yeah, it's a different kind of change of pace. which yeah. is, we totally accept. You know, we've been on tour all year doing our own shows, and we did an opening tour for Muse. Oh yeah, in okay. January. But festivals are a different vibe. You know, you're playing to a lot of people that, a lot of people who know who you are, but a lot of people who don't. Yeah. You know, and we have tons of friends and other bands on the road. Yeah. And so it's like uh, we get to see them. Cool yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of pigeonholing going on in music. I know you guys kind of get pigeonholed sometimes, but. Uh, do you think about that much at all, or you just go out and it's just you know you're a rock band, you know that's the end of it? Yeah, you know nowadays, especially with what we do, we try to cover a lot of different genres. With um, you know we have a lot of rock influence and hip hop influence and soul influence, which kind of mix them all together. So we don't. The answer is no. We don't think about where we exist in genres or anything like that. Do you ever worry about it? Do you ever have a song you come up with and think, ah, this doesn't quite fit, maybe this might yeah. just be a fun B-side or something, or do you find totally. a way to make it fit yeah. the sound? 
Or well, we try to make it fit. But. Usually try to make it fit. Sometimes, though, I mean, you know, sometimes we'll say maybe this, you know, we'll, you know, uh, give it to our producer to, to pitch to some other artist to do, you know, or something like that, you know, or we'll, you know, we'll give it to our producer and he'll, he'll re, you know, work it or tell us how he thinks it ought to be reworked. Um, but a lot, you know, I would say the majority of stuff that we write and, you know, take the time to complete is, you know, just, it fits, you know, fits the band just because of the way we naturally write music. And as far as your audience goes, do you, you know, how did your, you said you started finding an audience through, you know, slowly snowballing and building and then got that radio play break, but how does the audience influence uh, your sound or you just, they just come naturally? We always sort of, I don't know, we always wrote music as if we were playing for, you know, a huge arena crowd. You know, we've pretty okay. much, we've never, I don't know, I, we've never made our music small to fit a small club. It's always been, you know, as big as humanly possible. And I think it's just, you know, keeping, having that vision, that drive, you know, is is sort of is essential because you know you, you still you know if, you know if you're playing a show for 50 people you want to put on as good of a show as if you were playing for 50,000 people and it's if you can do that then I, I think you can consider your live game at least a complete success and yeah I'm, I'm pretty proud of us in that I, I think we can do that we can bring it no matter what size of crowd there is no matter how they are you know we still go up there and kick ass, you know. So as my, the boss of my day job would say, let us this lovely recorder, oh, it's the customer experience really hasn't changed whether it's 50 people or an arena with meals. No, we try not to, yeah, yeah. if possible. Um, when you guys were a smaller, you know, and weren't on a major label, how much more did you have to worry about ancillary things like, you know, selling CDs and T-shirts and all that other uh, stuff? And how has that changed? Is lots I mean, of stuff off your plate now? Yeah. You know, that has less to do with the label and more to do with our ability to hire a team around us with okay. a merchandise yeah. manager and tour managers who can help yeah. um, coordinate that stuff. But the real answer is it's just become way more important since being on a major label selling merch, be legitimizing your business. You know, before we were like, had a box with a bunch of t-shirts in it, not <laughs> yeah. organized by size, not no accounting of them. We would just sell shirts and end up with an envelope of money and buy some more <laughs> and now it's much more professional you know? okay yeah it's funny um, as far as you're saying festivals are a great place to discover for fans to discover bands because we discover new bands all the time at these things oh, yeah. um, how, how did you reach out to fans before that though was it the social media or like yeah, the airplay you said media, and then yeah touring and playing shows mainly like I, I would say word of mouth has really been our, our primary means of, of spreading our name just playing you know We've always sort of believed that if you if you play a great show for people, that they'll remember and they'll talk to their friends about it. And then next time you play that city, you know, those people will hopefully come. And that's sort of how it's been. You know, we just, we really, I think our live shows are are so powerful that, you know, we, we can win over people just through that rather than, I mean, we do definitely do social media and we did back then, but I think mainly it was just touring, opening for bands is especially handy for you know, a band that's just you know, up and coming because you know you get if you play well you get a whole new fan base instantly, you know, from you know, that other band. And it's uh, yeah, I don't know, I 
think I think word of mouth and playing shows is really our our foundation. So the stress has shifted from you know having to worry about the social media and like I said, the, you know getting out fun money for the T-shirts to yeah. new stresses because now you're on a major label and you got to make sure that you're putting butts in the seats and all that stuff. Yeah. So there's a different amount of same amount of stress but in different places. Yeah, you know, like before you're stressing about just whether you're going to ever be able to have success or when you're not on a major label, are you ever going to get signed or so the stress has just changed, but there the stresses of. The stresses are no greater or less; they're just different, you know. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. And what are the plans for after the uh, after the summer here? Uh, new album? Yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna get twenty songs on the album. last album, so oh, yeah. Yeah. We've been writing music also since we put that album out, and you know we're also gonna gonna take some time off the road to you know just purely focus on writing. So yeah, there's there's gonna be a bunch of, bunch of songs that we're probably gonna have to do what we did for the last album, you know, pare it down. Yeah. Cool. I can hear any new ones tonight. Uh, I don't think so. so. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately. Right, yeah. Short yeah. set, you know, as a festival yeah. yeah. gig. Okay, cool. Well, as you guys get back to it, um, cool. thanks for taking the time. Thank Absolutely. you, man. It's a pleasure. Thanks to X-Ambassadors for chatting with us. Darn nice of them to do that on their busy schedule. And now we're going to go to our conversation with another one of our favorites, Austin Blaine. We're here with uh, Austin Plain. Austin, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Cool. Uh, I didn't um, think about it when I was listening to the record, but seeing you play live puts me in the mind a bit of a maybe a twangy Marshall Crenshaw. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I think when I do play live, it's a little more of a twang, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So where are you from originally? Well, I'm from Minnesota. I, I, oh. base, I base myself out of Minneapolis these days, but okay. I do spend a lot of time in Brooklyn as well. Oh, okay. Because yeah. um, uh, one of the papers I write for are City Pages. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm well acquainted with yeah, City yeah. Pages. Yeah, yeah. I mostly interview comedians. That's, that's, how I, that's how I get my information. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, I, I occasionally interview bands for City Pages, but mostly I do uh, cool. comedians. Although I've only been to Minneapolis uh, twice for an hour in the airport. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good place to be for about three months out of the year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what people say. Um, so, uh, how, how long have you been at this? Um, you know, we've we released my record this past September, and yep. it's, so it's, it's been you know about you know three or four years in the works of me writing and you know starting to perform a little bit more. And I mean, I, I've been playing music since I was thirteen, fourteen, right. and always writing my own music, like my own songs from like the beginning. Um, but I never really took it seriously until, you know, about three or four years ago. Okay. Yeah. So what made the change? Why did you... Um, I was actually in the middle of uh, studying for my LSAT to go into law school. I was, I was going uh, to school at the University of Minnesota. There you go. And uh, I went down to Nashville for the first time and met some cool people. And we started recording music more and more. And I was like, this might be a little more fun than law school. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I kind of made the switch. Cool. And uh, it's, it's been good for me. I, I, it's, it's the right decision in my book. There's a guy uh, who was in what they're still together, the Ocean Blue. Okay. With them. Yeah, somewhere. Okay, the late 80s band. Well, the lead singer and the chief songwriter, Dave Schultz, from Hershey PA, lives in Minnesota now. He is a copyright lawyer. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, I thought about that too. It's like, you yeah. know, like, it's, not, it's not a bad thing to have in your back pocket. Right. Uh, and, you know, the more I learn about entertainment and everything, it's you, know, you, you can find your niche in law yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, between albums, you got a law degree, and then yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. And they, and they just uh, recent just, album last just year. Just busy, busy, busy. Yeah. So when you started out, were you doing what, like coffee houses and 
things like that or trying to tour like yeah, originally or it was more so just like me recording demos um okay. just doing a lot of songwriting and i would i would play out in minneapolis just you know a little bit and yeah kind of just small coffee houses nothing nothing major at all and then this past year we've done a lot more extensive touring across the country and um, and, that, and that's been really good. So when you were just starting out, were you also like were you selling merch? Were you doing other kind of ancillary no, things? No, it was, you do, it was just... me just kind of, you know, the songs that I had, I was just playing them, you know. Just, okay. just kind of getting my feet wet. Um, and not taking it, you know, not going all out, like with the full merch and touring and everything. It was just, you know, playing, playing a little bit. And I was finishing up school at the time, so okay. it was like that was kind of the priority. And then music was always that backbone that I had. And it wasn't until I graduated that I could, you know, take it on 100%. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Um, so how did you build your fan base? Is it like word of mouth or social media? Or? Yeah, I mean, you know, the this day and age, it's like Spotify is, is, is a big thing, you know, getting on playlists and, and doing that stuff. And, and you know, more and more playing shows. Like that's that's what we have to do these days. You have to get out in, in front of people and play. Um, and yeah, so it's just been, uh, you know, laying down the groundwork and, and having people get a chance to listen. That's, yeah. that's kind of how it goes. Well, that's what's nice about these festivals is, you know, yeah. people can hear. Although you had a pretty nice crowd. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was really good. I mean, I played this festival last year. Right. And it, it was nice to eat. After my set, I, you know, I got a chance to talk to some people and they were like, I saw you last year and I, I made sure that I came back to see you again oh, cool. this year. So, you know, that, that makes you feel good too. Yeah, it's like yeah. You're, make, you're making, you know, an impact and you're slowly growing. Um, yeah, so this festival was great today. Um, I, I loved it. Playing a lot of other festivals this year? Yeah, we're doing um, Bonnaroo next weekend oh, as well as Laura Live in Cleveland. So oh, I'm doing two festivals okay. next weekend. I'm doing uh, another one in Chicago and then Electric Forest up in Michigan at the end of the at, at the end of June. And then Promo West Fest in Columbus. Okay. I'll, I'll be there as well. You might be going to that in, one. In July. So right. Yeah, it's going to be a nice summer of festivals. And, and then touring other like venues too? And and then, uh, yeah, I mean, we were, we're not doing a whole lot of touring other than festivals this summer. I'm going to kind of take it easy. I want to go back home a little bit. Okay. Say hi to my dog. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but yeah, the festivals, it's be a good time. So do you write a lot of songs uh, through the course of you know a couple months, year, or is it more perfecting stuff that you Yeah, I'm always I'm always writing new stuff. It's just for me it's kind of a therapeutic thing as well. Like if I'm just I, I just try and sit down and just think of new things and it, it, it's it's a good thing for me. Um, yeah I'm always always writing new stuff. Now, I actually discovered you through Freegal. I don't know if you know what that is. I don't. Freegal is a thing uh, you're on Sony, right? That your label or um, they do like the distribution, right? Okay, yeah. Concord Universal, yeah, okay. Concord Universal. Okay, that's weird how it how you wound up on because they have what it is is it's they took up with libraries and what they do is the two two of the major labels Sony and Sony BMG and I can't remember who else is involved. Um, I guess that's it because those two merged anyway, okay. and then a whole bunch of other independent labels and you can get download seven songs a week and I think the artist gets paid. <laughs> I talked to the guy that founded it and he goes it depends on the artist's contract. I'm yeah. like well. Yeah. Who knows? It's, Who probably knows? Like, it's probably like Spotify, where yeah. it's like a, not as much as if you get it from iTunes. But yeah. anyway, you were one of the most. You were like in the top ten. Cool. Yeah. So I I like, I'll check this out, and I really liked it. So yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. yeah. So I guess there's people coming from directions you didn't even know. Well, that that's it. You know, it's like there's so many outlets for music these days. You yeah. have no idea who and how they're listening. Yeah. But it's cool, you know. Well, the thing my daughter and I do now is like, even if we own the record, we bought the record out of iTunes or whatever. 
we'll still listen to it on Spotify because that just makes extra money for you guys. Yeah. You can already own it. You get it, even, even though it's pennies, it's still I use Spotify every day, whatever. About 10 yeah. hours a day. It's yeah, like, exactly. It's, it's my life source. That's cool. Do you worry, though, that it's not maybe as, you know, uh, profitable as maybe back in the old days? I mean, I, I see it, you know, like you can look at it that way, again, okay, numbers, but I also look at it, you know, like the playlist that they, the, the curated playlist that Spotify puts out as well. Yeah. It's like, that's huge exposure that you wouldn't have otherwise. So I, I mean I, I see I see a lot of positives in, in Spotify and Apple Music and Title and all that stuff. It's I, I think it I, in my opinion I think it helps more than it hurts. So how did you wind up getting signed? Did uh, um, you recruit it or did? Well, my manager Beth actually she oh. she uh, she called me up one day. It was before she was even my manager. She was just like I want to help you and she you know got it lined up for me to come out to New York and you know do kind of a showcase show. Oh nice. And uh, it went really well and I got to meet some cool people and. Just we kind of got the ball rolling on, on signing a new deal with Washington Square out, out oh, in yeah. New York. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it just kind of happened organically, just the relationships with everyone over there. And um, it, was, it was a good process. So, were you always a music person growing up? Or no, I mean, I, I mean, like I said, I, it was always kind of a bedroom hobby for me, okay. but never something that I pursued, per se. Um, I played hockey, like I'm from Minnesota. Oh, like I, that yeah, yeah. was that was my you know goal in life was to play hockey for the rest of my life, and that didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. Like so many other people, um, and then yeah, music came, came along in college a little bit more, um, and I fell in love with it a lot more. And it's, it's something that I do now. It's it's, it's been kind of life changing as well. Cool. I don't know if you know Ian Bag is he's a comedian from no, Canada. No, he's a no. big dude. Okay. And he used to play hockey from, yeah. from Canada. And he said the reason he gave it up is because there were dudes bigger than him and he was tired of getting beat up on the ice. So. I'm not a very big man by any means. Exactly, that's uh, what I'm saying. And I got beat around a little bit, but uh, <laughs> you know, you take you take some and you give some. You still follow uh, hockey? I do, aggressively. I, I'm a big hockey fan. I have a lot of friends that play in the NHL these days and it's fun, oh, to, nice. watch, it's fun to watch them. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's the it'll, wild it'll, team. Yeah, the wild's still my team. You know, we, um, have, we have our ups and downs. Are you old enough to remember the Minnesota North Stars? I mean, I was little. I never went to a game, but Minnesota, you're a North Star. I mean, we still consider the Wild kind of the North Stars. Oh, as really? Well, you know? I didn't it's know like, that. Yeah, it's funny know, because it's like um, we're we're upset that they're called the Wild. It's because they should be the North, North Stars. Oh, uh, okay. I did not know that. I'm yeah. Su- yeah, I was I'm surprised by that because um, I'm from Cleveland. Okay. And my original team was. Sabres, but they were in the World Hockey Association before you were born. Yeah. And then we got the Barons because they moved from Oakland. Yeah, now they're like AHO. And the Barons yeah. went out of business, yeah. but they merged with the Minnesota North Stars because both those clubs were in trouble. Yeah. And the league said, well, probably be better. They Minnesota's probably a better place for this franchise to survive, yeah. so they gave all the Cleveland players. It's the state of hockey. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but if you could, would you would you play hockey or are you happy at music? I mean, if you, suddenly you both... Well, I've, I've thought about it too. It's like, you know, like the... You look back on like, oh, I could have done, you know, I could have played college, I could, all that stuff, and things happen for a reason. Right, right. I, I truly believe that, and it's like I think I think I found my niche a lot more than hockey. Like music is, it's been life changing. Like I said, it's it's been really good for me, and um, yeah, I can't really see myself going back to do that. Yeah, like that my whole Plus lifestyle, my career. whole lifestyle is right. different. And, longer current music too, probably. Probably, yeah. yeah. So, oh, here's a funny story. Uh, my uh, daughter is here. She was she, she photographed her set uh, cool. for the uh, blog we're uh, reviewing the festival for. Her. 
and uh, her lunkhead boyfriend is with her. And he saw Mud Crush last night. Yeah. Mud Crush. Okay, so he, uh, we're talking before you go on. He goes, what's this guy like? I'm like, oh, like, oh, kind of like, kind of triple A adult. We you know what that is? He's 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Wilco-ish, maybe. Which I think a band he would know that we know 50%. Yeah. He goes, oh, I'll probably play for Hannah, and then I'll probably go so So, of course, you roll out a Tom Petty song. And yeah. I texted Hannah, and I said, ah, I'll start to do a Tom Petty song. <laughs> Yeah, we like that song. It, it's been fun to play. I'm a huge Petty fan. There's a c- comedian friend of mine, Jeff Tate. He is a massive Tom Petty fan. Yeah, I mean, you can't not be a fan. Yeah, he yeah. just he just has hits after hits. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not mad at Tom Petty. It just never took with me. Uh, although I was telling my wife, well, you're always you can always recognize a Petty song. You always right. know when it's playing. Well, that one of my favorite songs of the '70s is the Waiting. Yeah, that, that guitar riff in the bridge. Yeah, Holy it's beautiful. Cow. That's probably one of my favorite guitar riffs. Beautiful. Rock. Yeah, Simple, yeah. too. Gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. It's all about simplicity. Yeah. So where do you go from here? Do you get to pack up and uh, do another festival or show? Or yeah, I mean, we're like I said, this summer we're just doing festivals kind of every weekend. So it's just a little off time in the week and then pick it up in the weekends. And uh bunch of festivals. It's going to be a good time. I'm cool. excited. Cool. Uh, looking down the road for making another record? Kind of in the process right now. I mean, like, like I said, I'm always writing. It's like trying to find just the right batch of songs, I guess you could say, at that moment. And uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start recording. We're, we're coming out with a new single this early this summer. Oh, cool! And uh, um, so that'll be out in, uh, in a little while. And yeah, just kind of get the ball rolling and keep working. And does that have a good sense of your audience then? I mean, because of the people at the festivals and people walking through at the FYE booth and stuff. Yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's been good, and you know, it's just a growing process, like with everything. It's, you know, um, it's just been a lot of fun. I, I've learned a lot this past year touring, because this this is the year that I've toured the most. Yeah. And uh, I've learned a lot, and it's been a great experience. Cool. And you have like a little demo space at home or a rehearsal studio? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, Bro- in Brooklyn, we okay. we kind of have a place where we can hash out everything and, and get get things and track some stuff and. Get recording. Yeah, so I saw good. Connor Youngblood. I ran over and saw him after yeah. you. And that dude's got everything. He plays like thirty instruments. Yeah, he's he's but a he's, pretty crazy man, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah, got yeah. everything. Everything he's got. Whether he can't bring with him, he runs through that keyboard. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I'm not quite there yet. Like, I I I don't that's, I don't do that. I just play the guitar. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm a little more simple. Yeah, we're doing a nice job. Well, thank you. And, uh, I guess we had the neighborhood on or the podcast after all. They they serenaded us during this whole thing. They thing. did. Uh, filter that out, but it was good talking to you. Thank you so and, much. And uh, great seeing you live too. Got to, got to, got to, and uh, I don't know if I, I talked to who I talked to Jennifer was the Jenna, one. Was, Jenna, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on my podcast last October, uh, Houston was Song of the Week. Interesting. Yeah, Thank and I think you. one of your other ones was Song of the Week too, but I couldn't find which episode. Well, we That's great. Song Thank you. Coming up in July. Oh, yeah, great, yeah. great. Nice. Yeah. Okay, we'll have her send that to me. And yes. I'll, uh, yeah. Well, that. that's, yeah. That's great to hear. If you um, yeah, if you contact her, I emailed her. The I, link. I, I have your. I think I have your email from her. Okay. Yeah. So oh, great. Great. Yeah, that's in there. The link is in email. there somewhere. Cool. Great. Good talking to you. Thank you, Pete. Oh, I appreciate you, it. Get yeah, back fun. and pump out my other job. Yeah, totally. And thanks to Austin Plain for chatting with us. Our next interview is with Coleman Hell, 
And uh, Coleman, this is interesting how this came together. Uh, real quick, those of you kind of skip through to the interview usually might have to land right at the little commercial we do before the interview in the show. And there's usually a commercial for Home Shirts, which is the t-shirt company that we uh, are part of. And uh, our parent company is in Cincinnati, and they have a booth at these events. And we come, we go by and help them out uh, sometimes at these busy events. And we were doing so uh, on Saturday when Coleman Hell played. Uh, or was it Sunday? I can't remember now. But anyway, he was playing, and he was just awesome. And I, I, we've, uh, um, I have him in, in my iTunes. But, um, boy, live, he was just incredible and uh, got the crowd going. Anyway, one of the gals that was helping out at the T-shirt booth is also a school teacher, and her former students love Coleman Hell. They're, it's just, they're their favorite act. And uh, so they went down afterwards, snuck down to the backstage area and waited outside and talked to him. And she comes up and she goes, hey, we're going to give him a T-shirt. And he says he'll do an interview. So we went down and interviewed him, and that's how that came together. And so here now is our talk with Coleman Hell. Okay, so we're back with Coleman. Um, so uh, we just kept you through your single, Two Heads, and then uh, I went on into uh, Freegal. I don't even know what Freegal is. It's a free, uh, Austin Plain didn't know either. That's how we discovered him. It's a free uh, thing that, that the libraries do, and you can download stuff, and your record label is hooked up with it, and then hopefully you get paid. As far as I know, you do. <laughs> All right, well, and, uh, shout out to Freegal. <laughs> shout out to Freegal. Um, so where are you from originally? I'm uh, originally from... A place called Thunder Bay, Ontario. You're a hoser. Yeah. Get out. I am crazy for your country. Are you really? Yes. I tell Canadians that all the time. I interview mostly comedians, sometimes musicians. Okay. And at first they go, really? Why? And then they go, oh, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> so, uh, you know you know Lights, right, from Toronto? I do know Lights, she's, yeah. she's a friend of the show. Oh, amazing. Yeah, she's been on the show a couple times. Great. Yeah. So, yeah, big fan of Canadian music and comedy and TV. grew up watching SCTV. Grimes is here. She's Canadian. Yes, she is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Caught her set. Sweet. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, how long have you been at this? Um, well, I've always kind of been writing music, um, like in my room and stuff, but I've really, like, I maybe moved away about five years ago to Toronto, okay. and I started just sort of, like, playing shows around Toronto and recording music, but I went on, like, my first tour maybe, like, a year ago, <laughs> when this Two Head song blow, blew up. Uh, nice. And then I've just been kind of touring ever since. So, like, I guess I've been doing it for maybe, like, five... I've been, like, writing music and recording it and putting it on the internet for, like, five years. But actually, like, performing on these stages and stuff, not as long. Which is kind of weird. You look very natural up there. (laughs) Well, you know, I I did a lot of singing in my mirror as a kid. Okay. It's kind of the same thing. So how did two heads blow up? How did that... Um, From the internet, someone just find it and... Yeah, it was like I had a publicist work it and get it on a few blogs, and then it kind of just sort of went viral on a few things. Just uh, there's this like blog aggregator called Hype Machine at the time that was like a way to get noticed, and then Spotify they got a lot of streams on there. I'm not really sure to be honest. It just sort of took off. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think of Spotify? Speaking of, I mean, as a musician, there's a lot of controversy because you know it's you're making pennies fractions of a penny on the song, but Austin Plain was saying, well, I discover all my music that way, and as long as some people listen to my music on there. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for Spotify, uh-huh. so I'm grateful for it. Um, it's great for exposure, and then, I don't know, you're just sort of left with more work to do once you're exposed, though, because I don't think people connect with the 
actual artists as much, right? Okay, yeah. You know, because you're listening to, like, individual songs and stuff. Yeah. And, and there's... I don't think that people, like, necessarily maybe connect with the artist as a person on this much, but I think that it's a great way to get me heard and get your name out there in some capacity, and it definitely worked for me, and I'm grateful for that. So how do you get a sense of who your audience is now? Is it from people responding, you know, the... Uh, like on blogs and stuff or doing the festivals and seeing who's showing up in the crowd or yeah it's uh, it's pretty, pretty mixed I mean for me like um I played initially I was like it was like people that would that would like check out music blogs and stuff because that's where I initially got popular but Two Heads did had like a pretty long run at radio as well so I don't know it's pretty pretty like big mix of people I'm not sure if I, there's like a specific demographic that is like a Coleman Hell fan. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's your name's getting out there. You know, they, the station here played you, and uh, they're they're kind of finicky. They they only played the hit alternative stuff, and they played two heads. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, as far as like the, the other ancillary stuff, the merchandise and all that other stuff, have you gotten involved in any of that stuff, or you just been focused on getting out the music? Because I know you know some people they try to sell the CDs at the shows when they're playing like you know regular venues and the T-shirts and. Yeah, I put out like a I put out like an EP um, that I was selling at the shows, and then I have like a couple shirts. Nothing too intense, but I have like a, a full length like debut album coming out in August, and I've got like a bunch of different merch ideas for that. So you'll see when that comes out. I'll have like a lot more stuff. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, on stage I was surprised to see these two keyboards and, and you. Yeah. And that, that's straight in my basket, you know, being a fan of, like, lights and stuff like right. that. So that's pretty cool. So who were your influences growing up? Well, yeah, the, the thing is I was really influenced by my parents' music, so I grew up listening to, like, a lot of, like, classic rock and folk. Oh, okay. And, like, uh, like soul music. Um, but I... The, type of music I learned to play was like keyboards and programs and like yeah, yeah. like I, I've been making beats on my computer since like I was in high school so it's, I'm sort of like trying to make old music but in the way that I make it with like keyboards and oh, stuff nice. so like okay. Latch who I write all the songs with that guy backwards hat over there yeah yeah like he's playing a keyboard on stage but he's playing like banjo sounds and guitar sounds so. yeah yeah it's all sort of like Synthetic right. real stuff. I don't really know no, that's how cool. to describe it, but yeah. yeah. Well, you can do that now. <laughs> is it sampled stuff or is it pre-programmed or? It's like it, it's like a uh, it's like a sound. So it's like across the keys of a keyboard, you have every note of a banjo. Right. And then you're just playing it like a piano, but it sounds like a banjo. Because um, Depeche Mode back in the day, they were very anti-preset. They would very use very little factory oh, yeah, sounds. Yeah. And they would sample everything. Yeah. So he's like still he's still playing like really complicated. Uh, like riffs, right? But instead of on a guitar, it's just on a keyboard, right? And do you sample the guitar, or is it preset from the keyboard? Um, it's like it's different things. We'll have, we'll record like people in a studio playing instruments for certain songs. Okay. Um, like on Fireproof, uh, we, used a har- we used a harmonica. So I got this guy. I tracked this harmonica player down. He was like this old dude. His name oh, was wow. Harp Dog Brown, <laughs> and I had him come in and record a bunch of like harmonica notes, and then we like chopped it up and, okay. and organized it. But he was following like the the riff that we wrote, so it's like 
Yeah, it's not like we're sampling from other music. We're just right, sampling right. like yeah. the different sounds of instruments. Yeah, because what Depeche Mode we're used still to do composing was, it. One of the ones they used a lot was uh, a, uh, a German coin being struck on an acoustic guitar. Oh, cool. That turns a lot. That, that's in people or people. Once you know that sound, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I know what the sound is now. That's cool. So, yeah, I used to do that a lot. Um, yeah, you have a very classic rock look about you, but a very, <laughs> very modern presentation, so that's very cool. Yeah. Um, so growing up in, in Thunder Bay, I guess, you know, Canada has kind of a great classic rock history. With, you know, like the Guess Who and, and uh, Bach Turner Overdrive and stuff. Because you say that was a lot of what you listened to. Do you listen to contemporary stuff, too, at all on the radio? Or? Um, yeah, I mean, like, the more I got into music, I was really into, like... I don't know, anything that was new. I, I remember, like, loving, like, Radiohead I love so much, like, Kid A. Okay. It was, like, an album... Like, when I heard the album Kid A, that's what made me kind of, like, go out and buy, like, a MIDI keyboard and, like, a microphone oh, yeah. and stuff. Because I was like, I could do this. Like, maybe not as good, but I could yeah. do something like this. Um, so, I don't know. I, I listen to, like, I mean, for me, I listen to a lot of hip-hop growing up, too. Like, that influences me lyrically a lot, I think. Like, just in terms of, like, uh, like playing with words and, like, double meanings and, yeah. like, uh, rhyming, like, multiple syllables and stuff like that. Oh yeah, um, that influences me as a writer, I guess. But, but yeah, a lot of just like Van Morrison, like okay. Bob Dylan, Neil Young, The Police, like I, that's like my like, bread and butter and music. So, so what's it like, you guys? You know, you write with your partner there, and you're in, in the studio, and you play it. And then when you finally get out and play it live, like in front of a festival crowd like this, and people really take to it as they did. What's that? What's that like? It's a great feeling. Um, and for me, normally, like what I would do is I would record music in my room and put it on the internet and then that would be it but since we've got this opportunity to go on tour now for like so many months I've been like taking these songs for the album playing them live seeing what reacts seeing what doesn't changing stuff um, improvising things on stage that end up in the song so in a way I don't think like electronic musicians typically get to do that in the same way that like a rock band would but we got this cool opportunity to do that so um yeah, I feel like the stuff that's on the record now is like tested and true, and we've kind of tweaked oh, nice. it, and like, and then it goes. It's a. It's. I'm excited to play the rest of it live. Um, yeah, because we've kind of like made it to be played live now, which is cool. And what was the song with the banjo sound? And I couldn't. That is two heads. Okay. That is two heads. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I must have like a. <laughs> is there like a different edit of that that's out there? Because I don't remember the banjo sounds in the version I downloaded, but I don't know. Maybe I'm not. Yeah, I think it should no, be the same right. one. Okay. Oh, well, maybe I... There might be, like... There's, like, a lot of remixes of it, maybe. Okay. I might have gotten a remix of it. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. So, um, the rest of the album's good. So, touring the rest of the summer then, and then, then putting the album out? That's the... Yeah, kind of just playing a bunch of, like, different festivals and things, and then, um, in August, like, the start of August, that record should be out. So. Cool, man. All yeah. Right. Well, great. Well, good talking to you. Thanks yeah. for doing this. Really hey, appreciate man. it. It'll, uh... It'll be, uh, the review for the whole festival will be in the Pop Culture Beast. It's uh, just Pop Culture Beast. Google it. And uh, you'll be included in the review. And then on my uh, PF Tape Recorder podcast, I'll run the interview. And, oh, cool. Yeah, great. And I'll, uh, I'll try to tweet it to you and everyone so that you can find it. Awesome, man. All right, thanks, man. Enjoy the shirt. Oh, yeah, I will. And uh, go Canada. <laughs> yeah. Okay, a bit of a longer show this week, so we're going to let you out early. Well, not early, we're going to let you out late, but I'm going to skip the credits this week. You can go back and listen to an old episode if you're curious about those. Uh, of course, just Google all of the acts that we talked about today, and you'll find out where they are. Some of them are going to be at some other festivals around the country, so do check them out. Our song of the week comes from our new friend, Coleman Hell. 
Song is called Two Heads. It is our song of the week on PF's tape recorder. So long and thanks for listening. There must be something in the water. And there must be something about your daughter. She said, I love you nothing but a monster. My love ain't nothing but a monster with two heads. Oh,